0: Good morning Grace Place family here on campus and those of you who are listening online uh, grateful that you're here so glad that you're a part of what God has in store for you today we always remember that it'd be a long time before we plan to be here God planned for us to be here and he has something to say to us through his word today if you have your Bibles I want you to f- uh, follow along with me we're going to look at a lot of scripture today but our uh, text is going to be found in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. I have to kind of give a little bit of an introductory uh, to this, that this was not the message that I had planned for this Sunday. <laughs> this is more the message God uh, reorganized or planned for me to share with you. And it came as a result, really, of uh, just having a number of conversations, both with uh, pastors and many of you and other people, that there, there came this sense of um, a kind of, not depression, but a darkness that, that was covering people and language was beginning to affect that. I, I found it even in my own language. There are a number of things that we have all gone through together. We're in uh, different boats, right? But we're in the same storm. <laughs> and so uh, for some people, didn't lose their jobs. You know, that was, they were on a different boat. Uh, But they they still went through the storm uh, that we have gone through here in 2020 and uh, 2021. And so all of this compiled for a long season, I think, leads to us uh, being a little discouraged at at, uh, least and maybe depressed uh, on the far side of things. And God really spoke to me about through this passage. And uh, so unless he changes it, what I had prepared for today, we'll do next week. Uh, but this, this one is titled, In Dark Times, and I want to take a look at what God does through suffering, what God does through suffering in our lives. So if you are uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at, at verse 12, we'll read along here. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad and exceedingly exceeding joy if you are reproached for my name, uh, for the name of Christ. Blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, blasphemed. but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly in the center appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Heavenly Father, I want to pray, especially over our time together today, that beyond what I say and the words that I use, um, that you're speaking to every heart in this room and online by your Holy Spirit, And I want to pray, God, that through what we talk about today, that our hearts would be strengthened, that we would be lifted and encouraged to see the work that you are doing in us, to know the time and the season in which we live is strategic in your calendar and clock. And we ask, God, that you would help us to understand better what we need to do going forward and to appreciate all that you have done, and that we might shine forth your glory in dark times, that others may see you and not us. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. No one, no one, right, is exempt from suffering, and the truth is that life is painful, and You know, we struggle to get our minds around, often as Christians, you know, uh, suffering, but as a world in general, the problem with suffering, we we really struggle with it. We see those who we think uh, should be suffering, not suffering. And we see those uh, who we think should not be suffering, suffering. And so we don't always have a good explanation about what is going on. So what is God doing in our lives as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, During seasons of suffering, what is going on for us? What I want to share with you today is not a comprehensive list. There are many that I'm going to miss, but I want to share with you what I believe is a strategic list of 10 things that God is doing in us, 10 spiritual formation outcomes that occur as we go through suffering. Now, I know having said that, there are those that are hearing this in the introduction. They're saying, there's 10 points to this message. (laughs) And some of you right now are texting Rudy's to put your order on hold. <laughs> um, let me just say, we're not going to spend a lot of time in each one of these. We're going to clip along, but I, I would encourage you to take notes. Uh, this, uh, this problem of suffering is a question that often comes up for us as Christians. Why is the world suffering? Why is this person suffering? You know, if, if God's a good God, why do people suffer? And, and I want to, to, to point out, in particular as this relates to us as Christians, the suffering that goes on, and what God is doing in this, spiritual formation that God is doing in our lives. Now, I need to, you know, remind you that this was something that God had prepared for me for this week, so I, um, I'm i coming with this message, I think, as prepared as I can get with as God was pouring these things out, and uh, we're going to, to carry along together in this journey, uh, but I want to point you back to the beginning of this opening passage which I, set, I think sets the, the framework uh, for it for us as Christians and it is Peter saying to them dear friends don't be surprised <laughs> it's not good for us to be surprised at suffering right as Christians we have the a doctrine of suffering in scripture that we don't like to talk about a lot do we as we're relating all the doctrines, you know, we believe in the Trinity and we believe, uh, you know, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who saves us from sins. We, we are, uh, in, you know, we, we believe that the Bible is inspired word of God. We go through a litany of these these uh, doctrines, but among those, uh, rarely, is the doctrine of suffering. And Jesus said that, you know, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you for my name's sake. All the things... That happens. So he he begins by saying, "Friends, don't be surprised by fiery trials that you're going through. Don't be surprised by what's happening." So, are you ready? Let's get started. Everybody, say number one. All right. First thing, one of the spiritual formations, the, the things that God is doing in you as a result of suffering. Suffering works perseverance. Suffering works perseverance. James chapter one, verse two and three, dear brothers and sisters. When trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, everybody say it with me, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, you may be familiar with the old uh, advertisement, uh, different um, kinds of gems used this. uh, You know, I I saw this in magazines and different places, but. Um, You may remember seeing it, and it's the the guy looking in the mirror, and he's not very fit, you know. And the saying for him was, you too could uh, have a body like mine if you're not careful, right? (laughs) But what he aspires to be is the guy that's in the mirror looking back at him. Uh, And in that cameo, that fit muscle-bound guy from the gym, uh, the saying for him was, you too could have a body like mine, but it involves what? pain for gain. My wife looks at me and says, you haven't had much pain in your life. (laughs) I have to agree. I have not. (laughs) But we we understand that there is pain in the process. No pain, no gain. Uh, we, we, We get to determine kind of how we want to look physically, you know, based on how much pain we want to endure in in breaking down those muscles and getting them stronger and in in doing the the dieting thing and all of that kind of stuff and so too in our spiritual walk there is a suffering is is bringing about an endurance for our ability to make it to the end there are definitely going to be seasons in our life and we may see them you know we have other uh states have gone through, you know, things that you and I have not, where they actually could not meet and have services uh, for longer periods of time. And, and uh, a drought, uh, spiritually, really, a, a time to come together where you're sharpened by your friends and Christian brothers and sisters, and you're encouraged and, and probably spending too much time on point one, but endurance, right? That's, that's what uh, God, one of the things God is doing through suffering. Number two, everybody say number two. God uses suffering to bring us to maturity. Out of uh, James chapter 1, verse 4, same, same area there, same passage. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. It's interesting that, that you know, when we allow suffering to do the work in our life, we are actually following in the footsteps of the Master Jesus. We are are following in His footsteps. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 tells us that even though Jesus was God's Son, He learned obedience from the things that He suffered. In this way, God qualified Him as a perfect high priest. And He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey Him. God is bringing us into maturity. When we refuse to go through trials, we're missing out on, not only missing out on blessings that God wants to bring into our lives, but we're handicapping our spiritual growth. We're we're stopping the maturing process by refusing to go through difficult times and, and, and difficult situations, trials, sufferings that are in our path. It is a false gospel that Christians uh, will never suffer and never face any trials, right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a false gospel. We are all going to go through difficult times and suffering. I am just so grateful that we go through them with Jesus, but we go through them with church family. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just love that. I just had a, a birthday yesterday, and all of these you know, people who have been a part of my church family over the years that they would take the time and, and it's, it, it is there are some challenges sometimes especially if you're early in the morning and you were trying to say happy birthday to me for some very obvious reasons on the Pastor Allen page you cannot comment, all right? <laughs> you may not know how obvious they are but <laughs> I do <laughs> and uh, so you know I've had to restrict that but once there is something there you can comment on it and so when there's nothing there early in the morning, people were going to a lot of trouble to personally message me, to email me, uh, to say that they loved and appreciated me. And I'll tell you, it's I'm just honored to be going down this pathway, this journey, with God's family. It's so great, isn't it, to be, to be in the family of God. People uh, have asked me before, you know, um, what's it like to be a pastor? Uh, you know, <laughs> you know pastors have good and bad days, and someone asked me once, you know, what, what, is it, what is it like to be a pastor? Explain being a pastor. And here's, here's succinctly kind of what I said to them. When you're a pastor of a church, you get enough encouragements to keep you from committing suicide. <laughs> and, you, and you have enough difficulty and challenges and trials in your life to keep you from becoming an egomaniac. But, but isn't that true of all of us as Christians? I mean, really, I'm not just talking about me. But you get enough little encouragements in your life, don't you, to, just to, to keep you from ending it all. <laughs> like, yes, God still loves me. Yes, God's on the throne. Oh, man, thank God. Praise God. Answers to prayer. And, and we get enough of that, that, you know, we're, we're staying in line and we're staying on track. And we get enough of the other stuff, right, that, that keeps us from being an egomaniac. Every time we think, well, I've really arrived, you know. Everybody loved my message. Everybody thought it was great, you know and and uh you know just from here to the parking lot four humbling things happen and uh, all of a sudden i'm crushed again god keeps you in line right and it's a wonderful tension if you think about it that we live as as christians and it keeps us in balance it keeps this from building pride and 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 in a sense of humility and grateful for everything that god's done i love the way my grandmother always uh would you know at night as she was going to bed she would look uh, at all of us and, and say, sam I'm, I'm i'm going to bed now she said i'll see you in the morning the lord willing the lord willing i, I might just go to bed tonight and the, and the lord isn't willing, and he takes me home right and so i won't see you tomorrow but if god is willing if if god wants it to happen i'm going to see you in the morning we'll have breakfast together right we can walk humbly with our god how many of you know that amen all right number three everybody say number three God chooses to establish his faithfulness in us, in our suffering, to assure us of sonship. To assure us of sonship. For those of you um, who are living politically correct, sonship and daughtership, okay? Um, It is the same. One and the same. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, read this with me, we must also share in his suffering. The assurance of sonship is the experience of suffering, isn't it? You come home, little Billy, your son, and his friends are taking mud balls and they're throwing them at the neighbor's house, right? When they see you drive up, Everybody scatters, but Billy, he lives there, right? <laughs> and when you get out, you don't run off and chase the neighbors and discipline them, right? You discipline the one you love, the one that's your son, the one that belongs to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And why do you discipline them? Because you hate them, you know, you, you despise them, you know, you, you wish the neighbor would take them. No, you, you discipline them because you love them and you don't want them to get in trouble. You don't want their life to be a heartache. You don't want there to be difficulty. And a sure sign of sonship is when we're suffering. Daughtership. God loves me because he's disciplining. He's bringing me back into correction. He cares about me. Every son, every daughter of the father that he loves is disciplined. You put your hand over by the stove, you get disciplined, right? When you're young. He loves you. He cares about you. Number four, everybody say, number four. Suffering is the proving ground for discipline of our faith in Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 says, Be careful to obey all commands that I am giving you today. Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy the land of the Lord who swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Suffering is a proving ground to test and to see where your faith is. Not just, God doesn't really need to know, he knows, right? You need to know where where your faith is. You need to know how shallow you're walking in the faith, or how deep you're walking in the faith. And the wonderful thing about when suffering comes, you know, I've often talked about the sponge, you know, that you put in a bucket of water and you pull it out. And uh, were you to set it somewhere, you know, um, people would not recognize that it's full of water, right? But suffering comes and squeezes that sponge, right? And, it, and we get a good squeeze whenever trials, difficulties, and sufferings come. And what comes out of us is not only the good, right, but the bad, too. We get a really good look at who we are when we go through suffering but paul said i really want to know you in the fellowship of your suffering i want to know me and know how close i am to you i want to know how much like you i am i'm bearing that name christian i want to know how christ-like i am god says let me show you first peter chapter 1 verse 7 Uh, in the same line of this, says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And listen to this last phrase. Read this this with me. This is great. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. (laughs) How precious is your faith? Why would God even mess with it and want to test it? It is more precious than gold. It is the most precious thing in your life. Your faith. Number five, everyone say number five. We're halfway through, aren't you so happy? You may not have to cancel it, Rudy's. Number five is to develop uh, in us humility. Suffering develops in us humility. I love what Alistair Begg said about humility. It says, humility is the soil in which God's grace flourishes. Isn't that beautiful? It is the soil in which God's grace flourishes. First Corinthians or 2nd Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 6. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Biblical scholars have waxed eloquent on what in the world was Paul's thorn. Some believe it had to do with his eyesight, some believe it had to do with a hip problem, uh, you know, other issues that have been talked about that were a thorn in the flesh, but I think in truth, Every surrendered follower of Jesus Christ understands the thorn, right? Yeah. What is your thorn? There's a thorn, right, that's a constant reminder of your need for Jesus Christ as Lord and leader in your life, right? There, there's, there is a thorn when you are a surrendered. You know, when you're not following Jesus, you just put on the blinders. It, it doesn't matter your character and everything else. You just full speed ahead, right? Doesn't doesn't matter. You know, it's not important. And, uh, but you know, there, there's this little thing that happens when we, we become Christians. We get this little super conscience called the Holy Spirit, and uh, we just start remembering stuff that we are and have done. <laughs> and it's just a thorn, isn't it? Like it's just, it is just such a thorn. And and whatever it was that uh, was there. I think you and I can instantly identify with it as surrendered followers of Jesus Christ. There's, there's a thorn. We are humbled by it before the Lord. We come together to surrender it every day to Him and to say, I need you today like I needed you yesterday and, and the day before, and I'll need you tomorrow. I just, I just can't do it on my own. I need you. So He comes and through suffering brings us to a place of humility, where we recognize our need always for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we don't stand in the light of his glory, we stand in the shadow and let him blaze and shine forth to the world, right? Number six, everyone say number six. Number six. six. Suffering occurs to keep us on track. Psalms 119, verse 67. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. But now I closely follow your word. Anybody resemble that remark? <laughs> I used to follow you, you know, and, and, and uh, I wandered off, and, and uh, you know, and then you disciplined me, and boy, I'm right there now. Like, I, I know where I need to be. Proverbs 3 and 11 says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you. He wants to keep you on track. He wants to keep you moving. And this is not only about getting to heaven, right? We all want to get our tickets stamped and and have our destiny determined uh, in, in having relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that we are going to be eternally with him. But when he's keeping you on track, and I was talking to a brother this morning about this, he is keeping you on track for divine appointments that are going to give you life, substance, and hope for today. There are encounters that you're going to have today that you're going to miss if you don't stay in line and on track with where God is leading you. Financial blessings you're going to walk into. Uh, there, there are opportunities to serve and to minister. There are people that are just going to uh, grace your your uh, your presence for you know just a short season. We've had people like this. I was thinking about Rachelle Roberts come in and just maybe uh, you know a nine month or. year long, they're around you, and they were just an angel sent by God that just does, just course corrects you, does all kinds of wonderful things by watching their life. They just brought something from the, from the presence of God right into your life. It's such a joy to have them there. They're not going to be there forever, but you would miss that divine appointment if you got off track and God wants you to stay on track. And so suffering has a way of doing it. This is not working very well. I believe I'll go back to God's way. (laughs) Number seven, everybody say number seven. Suffering deepens our insights into the heart of God. Suffering deepens our insights into the heart of God. If I had time and I I just, we don't, I wish we did because it's a whole nother message. But the book of Hosea, God gives us a vivid picture into the heart of his children who've gone astray. If you know anything about the book of Hosea, you know that God commanded a prophet Hosea to marry an unfaithful woman. Who would love that, right? And any of you ladies that, uh, you know, all the single ladies, you know, go marry an unfaithful man, you know, or a a single man, go marry an unfaithful woman. And we taught our daughters that to watch for the red flags, you know, the character flags when you start dating, and, you, you know, if you see those character flags come up, stop dating that person. That you can't change. That's to the bone. <laughs> that character stuff is to the bone. And if there's serious character issues, it's a red flag. Time to move on, right? Don't overlook it. Don't ignore it. Don't think you're going to change it because you know Jesus and you're going you're to you're be a missionary dater and you're going to, like, win them to Jesus, you know? they're going to have to surrender their life just like you did. They're going to have to have their character changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, but there has to be a willingness for that to take place. God told Hosea, go marry this unfaithful woman because I want to show Israel what my heart is like for them. How much you love her and you and he would go and 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 seek her out and find her in the homes of other people. And he would bring her home and clean her up, love her, provide for her, and take care of her. And then it would happen again. And God says, this is what you're doing to my heart. And when we suffer, we we get a good look at what we are doing in the heart, or what God's heart feels like. You know, when we're going through suffering, we're better equipped to understand the the deepness of what God is doing and what, what his heart is. When Jesus looked over Jerusalem and said oh Jerusalem Jerusalem how I as a would be like a mother hen would gather you all to safety but you would not come you rejected me you've turned your back on me and now I'm willingly making a sacrifice for you Hosanna on the day he enters Jerusalem and just a few days later, crucify him. We get a picture of God's heart when we suffer. Number eight. Everyone say number eight. Amen. Suffering prepares us to help others for their trials. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Isn't that awesome? It ties back to the original covenant that God had with Abraham, and he tells him, you know, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to do wonderful things, you know, your offspring will be as the sands of the sea, you're going to have herds of cattle, great things are going to happen for you. And here's the hook. <laughs> but through you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. You're carrying the blessing of God. And when we go through suffering, we get a chance to bestow the blessings of God on others because we, we do understand what suffering is all about. We watch them suffer. We watch them go through difficult times. We have been through it. We've been down that road. And we have something to give to them. It says here in 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says, We are able to give them the same comfort God has given us. The Apostle Paul recounts his suffering for the gospel's sake in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5. He says, we have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, gone without food. Before you feel too sorry for Paul, hear the rest of his story. I'm Paul Harvey, and this is the rest of the story. <laughs> 2 Corinthians Six verse nine. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our heart aches, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. We own nothing, Paul says. And yet we have everything. There's no way to see that outside of suffering and difficulties. Life that goes grand and is minus that kind of stuff, a life that avoids and pushes away that suffering, never understands what this is really all about. Paul understood it. And he wanted to shine forth the glory of God in the midst of that. He had... He was not here begging, you know, I've been beaten. Can you guys send me a larger offering? You know, can you guys put me up in a hotel this next time, you know, so I don't have to sleep on the floor? Paul's saying, you just need to understand that we've been beaten, but we haven't been killed. Our hearts ache, but we're always full of joy. I'm surrounded by people whose lives are so much better, they're so much wealthier, and they're miserable. I've got all kinds of joy. We are poor. But we have spiritual riches, and we bestow those on others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Everything. Number nine, everyone say number nine. We're almost there. <laughs> the old pastor's joke how many of you will give me five more minutes? Anybody? Oh, you guys have heard this one before, right? First going to five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30. All right. Um, number nine. Suffering reveals what we truly love and what is worthy of love. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 3. The Lord our God is testing you to see if you truly love Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Adversity and suffering uh, bring out the best and the worst on all of us. In my family, I'm blessed that often adversity and suffering... Has always turned us to God. You know, we grew up that way. Both Michelle and I had, you know, solid, God-fearing and loving families that taught us to always turn to God for the littlest and biggest things. And in our home, you know, a lot of times were financial needs, and uh, our first thought wasn't like, you know, were we going to get the second job and stuff. That that may come, you know, that might be part of it. But our very first thought was, let's pray about this. Kids, come in here. Dad's going to lead us in prayer. We're going to pray for financial needs that we have in our house. Somebody's sick in our home. Our first thing was, you know, is the urgent care open? Is, you know, can we get, that, would, that is going to happen. But the first thing is, let's pray. Get down on our knees and begin to pray. See God. Lord, please touch my brother. He's sick. We're asking you to touch him, his stomach. and We don't know what it is. We don't know what's going on. Jesus, we're asking you to do a work in him. And in our family, in our home, that same thing. And it was such a joy to, to watch our kids, you know, get to the point where they understood that concept. So if I was ever too harried about the crisis or the situation, they would say, well, Dad, we, we got to pray. But well, yeah, we got to pray. That's the beginning. That's the starting point of everything is that we have to pray. I have never talked to anyone who's going through suffering that doesn't have a better idea of what priorities are in life right? Somebody goes through an extreme difficult situation with cancer uh, and they get on the other side of it and the doctor says, good bill of health, you know, we've gotten rid of the tumor, all these things have happened. There's not a one of them that ever said, well, I'm just going to go back the way I used to live. Every one of them says, I now know what's important in my life and I will not give myself away to things that are not a priority for my life. My family, my God, You know, all these things are important to me. My wife, my children, I value them and I will never again take that for granted or give it away, right? When we come through suffering, you get a good picture of what you you really love and God wants us to get a good picture of, of do we love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and all of our strength. And suffering for us needs to first bring us back to the altar. God, I love you. I'm not necessarily asking you to lift the suffering. If this is a trial, if this is a difficulty, if this is what's going on, I'm just asking you to walk each step with me all the way through it because I trust you, I love you, you're first in my life. Number 10, here we are. Number 10, say it, there you go. Maybe we should pause, no. Suffering allows us to display God's glory. What a joy it is for us to be able to display God's glory through suffering. You remember the story in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20. You remember when Joseph, uh, how his brothers had mistreated him. And God had given him a promise. They were jealous of his promise. And, and Joseph had shared with them that he saw all of them bowing to him. You know, he was, he was top dog. And, uh, you know, uh, it was symbolic. It was these uh, wheat stalks that his brothers had become, and they were all bowing like that. So there was symbolism in, in what was taking place. But the idea of them bowing to a younger brother, that's just not happening, right? So they decided that, you know, they didn't have the, the I guess, the evilness to, to kill him, but they would sell him into slavery and tell his father that he died. And uh, so they did. And, and uh, Joseph went through uh, a lot of things as, as a slave. But God kept the dream alive, the promise. And you saw him rise up. Uh, he was able to interpret a dream for a king. And the king was so uh, glad that he interpreted the dream. And the dream was about what was going to happen, this, this great uh, famine that was going to take place and uh, so he you know the king says well hey you know you had the dream you see the famine you know it's going to be seven years you're going to be the governor you're going to you're going to take care of the province here and you're going to you know make sure that we don't go uh, through that famine unprepared and so they, he he organized and he got all those farmers to gather that uh you know crops and put them you know in storage and be prepared for that seven years that was coming down the line and when it happened When the famine came, everybody came to Egypt and to that governor to try to get food to survive. And among them were his brothers, right? And his brothers, uh, you know, had come and gone a few times before they realized this is our brother Joseph. And when that dawned on them, terror hit them because they know what they would do, right? You treated me bad. This is my chance to, I'm, I'm at a high place. You know, as a governor, he had an armies around him. You're in a place where you can really harm me now. And that's, that's kind of, I think, in vengeful nature, you know, that's the kind of thing we have dreamed about before, right? One of these days, my boss is not going to be my boss. <laughs> I am going to tell him what for. I'm going to be over him. In fact, I'm going to buy the company, and, uh, you know, and then I'm going to give him the misery he gave me or her or whatever it is, right? We think along those lines. But here's what Joseph said when they discovered that he was the one that could really level them to the ground and punish them for what they had done. Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save many lives, of many, the lives of many people. God brought Joseph to that place to display God's glory. It was God that gave the dream to the king. It was God that, that uh, gave Joseph the plan uh, as to, to how to implement strategically to bring all that food in and, and be the provider for the nations around them for food during a great, great famine that swept over that land and lasted for seven years. It was God that was glorified. God was glorified. And God is glorified through the suffering of his saints. When when people see how we go through trials, difficulties, and sufferings, it's different from how the world goes through trials, difficulties, and sufferings. We trust God. We believe God. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. But we are spiritually formed in the image of God through personal sufferings, tests, and trials we become more like him. A window through which the world can see his glory, can see the goodness of God, can see the mercy of God, the grace of God, can see him sustain. Job went through incredible trials and difficulties. It was unbelievable the kinds of things that he went through. But in the end, God flipped it around and people got to watch God bring glory Back to his life and tenfold what he had had before, that was restored over and over again uh, to Job because through the trials and difficulties he held on to God. Shall I take the blessings from God just you know for granted and, and not worry about it? Or or shall I trust him through the and, and disdain difficult times, or shall I trust him when difficult times come that he's still God, he's still in charge? And he says to his friends, he says, yet if he slay me, yet will I serve him. I trust him. And in the end, his glory is going to be revealed, right? So whatever suffering we go through, whatever dark times we go through, in the end, his glory will be revealed. Let's stand together. We worship the Lord.